Hi there, you're listening to the Big Shiny Podcast, or Big Shiny Podcast if uh, you want to be less official. I'm joined by my host, co-host, Chris Betts. Hello! I'm Jordan, uh, and today we're going to look at Big Shiny Tunes 4, the last compilation in the series of the decade, of the millennium, mm. and... Um, the Willennium. The Willennium. Oh no, the next one is the Willennium, that's my mistake. Apologies to Mr. Smith. It's never too early or too late to celebrate the Willennium in the Wild Wild West <laughs> of music. So um, I know all the words to that Wild Wild West song, by the way. <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, our listeners actually demand an episode where it's just you singing that for an hour. Um, <laughs> over and over again. Uh, nostalgia at its best. <laughs> this compilation seems in some ways, uh, looking over the track list again, um, to be kind of a farewell to the 90s. It's uh, still very much a 90s um oriented compilation with uh, some of the choices on here, I think. But mm. I think you also get a bit of a, of a sneak peek of where this uh, compilation ends up with um, songs like uh, Ba With Da Ba <laughs> appearing. And, uh, Chris's Harbinger of doom. <laughs> um, just, so, uh, uh, just so everyone knows, we come in pretty hard straight off the bat against American women. So just don't be surprised if it seems abrupt. That's because they chose to start the compilation this way. I mean, there's some high points, there's some low points. We get we uh, uh, we cross paths on Goo Goo Dolls again. I remain unconvinced, but Jordan makes an excellent uh, case for it. If not only for its uh, commercial potential. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. We also have Matthew Goodband again, which uh, if you listened last week, we kind of did a preface. Uh, this one is a Hello Time Bomb, which uh, I believe is about his career. So, <laughs> that's, uh, uh, yeah, so uh, just... Uh, we don't mention any of this stuff in uh, in the episode, but if you are upset about that, just skip. We don't talk about it for too long, um, but just so you know that it's in there. If you want to uh, support the show, you can do it at uh, patreon.com slash bigshinypodcast. And if you enjoyed the interview that we did last week with Jeremy Taggart, uh, former drummer of Our Lady Peace, which if you missed, definitely go back and check it out. It's a great interview. Um, if you want the uncut version with an extra 20 minutes of uh, information where he talks about Billy Corgan's uh, continued hatred, unexplained hatred of Our Lady Peace. Mm-hmm. It almost seems like a condition. It's very strange uh, that you can you can get access to that on the Patreon. Uh, it also helps us uh, to put some more money towards the podcast. So we would love that. You can also follow us on Twitter at Big Shiny Tweets. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, but we, honestly, we don't really post on there, so I'm not even going to say it. Um, that is it. Please rate and review the podcast. It helps so much. Um, also, tell your friends about it. You know, we're getting we're getting a, a, a nice listenership, actually. I'm, I'm tell really some pleased. strangers about it, too. Next time you're in the supermarket, just tap the person in front of you and say, hey, have you heard a podcast called Big Shiny Podcast? Yeah, then- or just whisper it into their ear, thinner style. <laughs> Big Shiny Podcast. And just see what happens. Just take it from there. Um, thank you so much for all the uh, messages we've been getting. Um, there's been a lot of uh, really supportive messages. People are enjoying the show, which is great. Uh, we're going to have some more excellent um, uh, interviews coming up. So if there's anyone that you'd like us to interview in particular, uh, definitely uh, tweet at us. If you are a Big Shiny Tunes era musician and you want to defend yourself, give us a call. Uh, We'd love to hear from you and have you on the show. Jeff Martin, Uh, if you're listening, uh, we're covering you again in this episode. So uh, stick up for yourself, huh? You're always welcome, Jeff. Anytime. We don't know you as a man. And we I think we try to make that clear. Uh, We'd love to get to know you as a man and as a father. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that meant. Anyways, let's uh, let's get to the episode. It's uh, it's Big Shiny Tunes for 1999. Cool. Enjoy. Yeah, yeah. 
Hemingway, while he hated women, did write a lot about having sex with them. So I don't think he counts. But I, but uh, like yeah, I think Bukowski and uh, and Irving Welsh, Irvine Welsh, are two guys who were like did fine with women, uh, but guys who have never even gotten near enough to a woman to feel like their aura, let alone their skin, are. Uh, <laughs> are like bow at their altars that's a that's a really weird line to to walk that'd be like if if prince only was only listened to by mormons there's also an anecdote of uh sinead o'connor um escaping his compound uh when he, jesus when he became upset that she would refuse a foot massage not from him just from the person he has hired to give foot massages damn so, escape is such a terrible verb no, yeah, no, literally, literally, <laughs> she says she was in the woods and he was uh, following her on roads that were near it in a Jeep saying, like, screaming at her. Like, oh, um, my God. Anyway, so uh, why don't we party like it's 1999 right now? Hey, and, what a segue. And All talk right. about uh, talk about this episode. So we're, we're doing Big Shiny Tunes 4 uh, this week. Big Shiny Tunes 4 came out in 1999. So to set the scene, here are some things that were going on in 99, just to give you that context. If you're around, you'll remember this. If you weren't, it might spark some ideas of what was going on. So the words blog, texting, and vape entered the vocabulary in 1999. That's the first time they were used in any regular form. The show's Sopranos, Family Guy, Futurama, SpongeBob, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and WWF SmackDown started in 1999. That was a big year. Yeah. It's a big year for television. Uh, Star Wars Episode One, The Matrix, Sixth Sense, Blair Witch Project, and for me, the beginning of the end of American cultural dominance, American Pie. <laughs> a good, a good movie for. Um, let's. Lo- I, I need to look up this term. I'm just going to splice it in, but it's the whatever the term is for being sexually attracted to food. Yeah, yeah, G- giving, yeah, de- de- decreasing the sex shame that pervades society still to this day. But that was that was it. Is it? It marked it marked a level of uh, sexual decadence that meant that America could no longer be honest enough with itself to thrive. <laughs> <laughs> it had finally become Rome. They'd fucked a pie on camera. What else we got uh, <laughs> this year? What else we got this year? Um, then we got a uh, um, JFK Jr. died. John F. Kennedy Jr. I don't know if you remember that. It was a big deal. His plane crashed. Sega released the Dreamcast, which ultimately spelled the end for Sega. Uh, Putin took power. You know he's been in power for 21 years? He looks really good for his age, I must say. Crazy. Boris Yeltsin stepped down. Putin took power. Napster came out. It was the year of Napster. Wow. None of it became a territory in Canada. So we had uh, we used to have 10 provinces and two territories, Northwest Territories and Yukon, but then none of it came into existence in 1999, forever making every geography question sound like a trick question. Uh, Columbine obviously happened. That was a big deal uh, because it was the first time white kids got shot in a school. That happened on my brother's birthday. It happened on his 13th or his 15th birthday. Make a wish. <laughs> and uh, of course, Y2K. Yeah. Which was a real like thing that people were terrified of. If you're young now, this won't make any sense, but all the dates were written by the programmers in the 1900s by, uh, uh, instead of using the four numbers, like uh, 1997, they mm-hmm. were just put 97. And so everyone thought that it would revert to zero, zero. Yeah. And for some reason, the computers would think that time had restarted and that everything would collapse. Y2K was such an insane panic. People were stockpiling. It was like the beginning of Corona. 
everyone was stockpiling everything yeah and they were panicked that basically they thought it was going to be the end of fight club yeah where all all the financial structures would collapse and we'd have to start from zero and it would devolve into a mad max type era but uh congratulations to mad max by the way for being the defining uh uh post-civilization movie yeah that's a tough thing to hold down you'd think it'd be a zombie movie but it's all mad max it's really impressive um, yeah, so those those are the, the those are like the big ninety nine events. Just to give you an idea, if you remember, if you can picture yourself when you were panicking about Y two K, discovering that Keanu Reeves ha- was going to have his second act, and you just heard about a blog but still didn't quite know what it was because it was your nerdy little brother that told you, and and you weren't allowed to think he was cool. Yeah, then that's that's where we were. It was like the beginning of a very tense time. This is two years before nine eleven. But everything about this feels tense. We enter into the realm of the male nightmare, I think, now. Yeah, and that actually, that just reminded me of Woodstock 99. I'd forgotten about that. Oh, yeah. And you read, they did, like, it was the 30th anniversary of Woodstock. And so they wanted to put on this huge concert. And I remember my brother-in-law uh, wanted to take me. And he just he just couldn't get tickets in time. And I was kind of gutted. I really wanted to go. I was, like, 15. And so we watched it on TV. Uh-huh. And then... <laughs> And then the Limp Biscuit riots took place. Yes. <laughs> and everything was burned down, and there was just a, a litany of crimes, and it was awful. It felt like people faced with having to build something decided to destroy something instead so that they still felt like they were doing something. Yeah, and I think, um, I'm not sure if uh, you have them ready, but... Um a good way to kind of see the flip side of what was also going on, but it's, it's, I think it's starting to creep in now, perhaps, um, in the top tens a little bit. Yeah. So I've got, I've got the, uh, the American one here for the American top tens. You have at number one, believe by share. Great auto tune. Um, that. Sharebot, Sharebot 3000. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That was, uh, I, for a while, I for real thought that they just made a hologram of her. Uh, <laughs> but it turns out she's still going. I'm, I kind of I go back and forth on Cher every ten years. Yeah, between being like she's amazing, she is the worst thing that's ever happened. You know what? I love Cher again, and so <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm currently in an I love Cher moment. But who knows what what'll come when she's 140? Um, so number one was Believe by Cher. Number two, No Scrubs TLC, uh, Angel of Mine by Monica. Very American song. We didn't really get any Monica in Canada except for the Boy Is Mine with uh, Brandy. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Heartbreak Hotel, which was Whitney Houston, Faith Evans, and Kelly Price. Baby One More Time, Britney Spears being catapulted into superstardom. Uh, apparently, people want to free Britney now. I haven't looked into it, but if she is a prisoner, hey, let's free her. Uh, Kiss Me by Sixpence None the Richer. Genie in a Bottle, Christina Aguilera, Every Morning by Sugar Ray. Nobody's Supposed to Be Here by Deborah Cox. Okay. And at number 10, Livin' La Vida Loca by Ricky Martin. The kind of music that would play in the cocktail lounge on a cruise ship at this time. Yeah, no, there's no there's no sense of um, a surrounding world. That's yeah. about being lost in your own emotions and your your day to day heartbreaks. That was like that was a heartbreak ten. That was either a heartbreak or a dating top ten. Yeah. Um, so there's no sense of like anybody that's talking about the world. Okay, so what do we got in Canada? So in Canada, surprise number one, "Living La Vida Loca," Ricky Martin shoots up the charts. It's an infectious song, like an infection. You know, I'd love to hate Ricky Martin, and I absolutely cannot. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, I can't remember the last time I heard that song, but I, if anyone put it on, I wouldn't be angry about it. <laughs> uh, then Every Morning by Sugar Ray, uh, I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys, All Star by Smash Mouth, which makes uh, the cut in this Big Shiny Tunes, uh, No Scrubs Again by TLC, 
Love Song by Sky, which I, oh my God, I just remembered Sky. First Literally she goes, just the second. Then she's up, then she's up, then na, 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 na. Oh my God, I hate that band. Oh, I hate that band. Um, Chris uh, Betts, then... why don't you like my voice? This is how I sing. He had that tiny little soul patch. That's all I remember about him was this stupid fucking soul patch. Got my own little comb for my nice scrubby soul patch. <laughs> uh, then at number seven, you got Mambo Number no. 5 by Lou Bega. Great song. She's So High by Tal Bachman, the very disappointing son of uh, the Guess Who member, Randy Bachman. Speaking of which, does American Woman appear on this Canadian top 10? Where are we now? It does not. So we have we have two more left. So number nine is Smooth by Santana and Rob Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, okay, the last song, track number 10 was If You Had My Love by Jennifer Lopez, which was her first uh, music single. Okay. That was uh, when, when she stopped being a background dancer on In Living Color and joined the ranks of the front dancers. Okay. I yeah. just did not know anything about her, and I barely do now, other than she's got a pretty cool nickname. And I don't know how one gets a nickname like that. I think you make it up yourself. Yeah, but she she you... she puts a period in it. J period nope. low. I think it's I think it's a dash. Is it a period? Maybe she lets uh, her fans decide. That's up to you. It's Self punctuate, you a, guys. It's a secret message to her fans. Be be free. <laughs> <laughs> um. So okay, pretty uh, lackluster in terms of just general vibe. It's kind of like oh, it's a nice sunny day. I'm gonna go for a drive near uh, the business district of New York City or something. Look up at those twin yeah. towers. Yeah. Uh, what a view they were, huh? <laughs> maybe maybe Spider Man will swing between them. Um. <laughs> I don't understand. It seems like the amount of spider sperm that he shoots out, you'd need a lot of it in order to. Uh, latch on to skyscrapers it's like a lot of distance and a lot of spider sperm to have i think that you were in a very sexually confused place when you first heard about spider-man and have not revisited the films uh because everyone knows that the spider sperm comes out of the little flap at the bottom of his suit it's very inappropriate and there are some cut scenes out of the amazing spider-man that no child should see so 1999 <laughs> 1999 so the so the album's coming out tell me tell me where's where's jordan like what what do you think how do you see yourself in 1999 how old were you i'm i'm having my own identity crisis i'm uh like 14 i guess i can't decide if i want to make an album of my own i can't decide if i want to play in a band of other people's i meet three mormon girls somehow who asked me to play drums in their band called 100% cotton and we play in the upstairs theater area of downtown chapters on okay I, I i really like that band name it's pretty catchy you're right <laughs> i was also in uh the grease pit band for the junior high school's production of grease where i played the nice. guitar and i bought a wah pedal for some of the funkier parts of the theme song oh adding that lightning that's true i started work on uh no recesses first album and a lot of emotional songs. I discovered Weezer. I oh, blue blue album. I blue guess blue album. Yeah, yeah. Would probably cry many nights listening to Only in Dreams, the last song, as Aww. I thought about Rivers Cuomo and wanting glasses just so I could look like him. So I faked an eye exam. Nice. Anyways, nice. a general kind of uh, 
suburban malaise, I think, was starting to set in. Um, Fair enough. To being a hormonal teenage boy. Yeah. Very in tune with this album, then. If not musically, then, like, emotionally. Yes. Let's... I, I could go on and on, but I'll just say that, you know, it was probably the year that I... Uh, became aware of boners being a thing that's part of life uh, okay like something you just you're never going to get rid of this it's it was it wasn't a temporary thing this is it now eat sleep boner an embarrassing affliction to have on bus rides totally fair yeah but at least you weren't in it alone although kids didn't really talk about it so everyone felt like they were alone what a time to be alive what about you man where where were you during this time I was coasting. I was kind of fine. Um, I decided that I didn't want to be... I don't want to be the guy that's afraid to talk to girls. Yeah. And so my main memory from from this... I was in ninth grade. I was 15, I guess. 99, yeah. And I just I decided it was like, I want to date girls. And up until this point, I'd asked two girls out. They both said yes. And I was so afraid that I never spoke to either of them again. <laughs> Um, yeah. And then, uh, but this year I was like, no, that's not going to happen. And so I went out and I asked out 10 girls and they all said no. How did you ask them directly in person? Yeah, I think I might've done, I think I probably did one in a note. Um, and then the rest were like, probably what I thought was like a cool sort of sidling up, but I probably nervously cornered them after class. Um, And it, like in hindsight, it, there was nothing smooth about it. They all they all said no to to the opposite women. of the Rob Thomas song. Very much so. I was not smooth. <laughs> I was a <laughs> I was a gangly youth, and I was nervous. I was afraid, but I just I wanted to conquer that fear, and so I just kept doing it, even mm-hmm. though I kept getting rejected. I don't think I learned any lessons from it. I think I became less afraid of failure, which is probably a good thing in life. Yeah. But uh, I wish I I wish so bad that I was back home. Because I remember in my yearbook that year, I wrote down a list of all the girls that I'd asked out. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote down the reasons that they gave me for not wanting to date me. Yeah. And I can't remember them now. And I, I wish I could read that out. Um, I had found a group of friends. I had like a, a few good friends that I felt very comfortable around. And I was enjoying. And so that is, that's actually what I think of when I, when I think of this album. Is the guys that I would hang out with and listen to this. And some of them, actually most of them I'm still friends with. Which is insane there are the few of these songs that i was listening to and i thought i hate this but if i was with this guy right. i'd be having the time of my life right now like yeah. because yeah, it just it just reminds me of all that that very specific fun that you get when you're too old to do kid stuff but not old enough to do adult stuff so you just need to make shit up yeah in the city yeah and uh it was just mischief it was just fun mischief and so listening back to this uh to, to big shiny tunes for i realized I knew all these songs, but I just had no relationship to any of them uh, and, and actually actively hated some of them, uh, as we'll get yeah, to later right. in this podcast with Serial Joe. Um, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's still um, there's still a few things I think about uh, some of the songs on here that were tied up with my life at the time. But mm. I think everything after this, it starts the distance becomes very um much more pronounced so yeah it's it's gonna be interesting to have no nostalgia tied to it because i think this is the last one that we bought in my house i think this is might be the last one that we owned yeah and so from here on in it'll be uh uh we're gonna be we're gonna be looking at teenage music through 30 something year old eyes and that is (laughs) never good Uh, (laughs) 
first track big shiny tunes for american woman by lenny kravitz i hate this song i really hate lenny kravitz <laughs> this in a in a very bizarre uncanny way is the john malkovich moment of this compilation which is the compilation enters into its own portal because hmm. you have a canadian compilation uh, that is a cover of a Canadian song sung by an yeah. American. And, yeah. and and the thing that I find strange about this cover is that the Guess Who version has associations with, you know, kind of being anti-authoritarian uh, because of Vietnam. It's kind of just more like, fuck you, America. We know what's up. Like, you suck. Um, But then the Lenny Kravitz song and the video in particular, just representing the Coke commercial version of it. Yeah, there's so many slow motion bouncing close ups of boobs. I hope Heather Graham got paid a shit ton to do that. (laughs) I don't think she did, because part of this was part of the rollout for the press for uh, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. That's why she's in it, because it was on the soundtrack from that. It's such a beginning. I bet she didn't make much money at all. It's such a bleak way to start this album. Like, if we strip away our own bias, does this song rock on some level? It's algorithm rock. Yes, that's it. There's no emotion to this song at all, and I like I felt it when I first listened to it, but then when I listened to the Guess Who version, then I could extra hear the lack of any sense of a person singing it mm-hmm. when Lenny Kravitz was singing it. Yeah, because the Guess Who's like, you know, Bachman's doing it. Burton Cummings is doing it. And then this 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 guy's just like it's an ode to yeah, the Pepsi commercial. It's like it's it feels like he's singing to that Cindy Crawford Pepsi commercial. Yeah. You know what though? I, I was just thinking the way the way that you broke it down for like how it was a sort of a protest song against America and then it became like this weird yeah. celebration through Lenny Kravitz of everything that's wrong with America. And now it could have a rebirth as the like now American woman is like the COVID Karen. And it's like, I'm gonna yeah. leave you bye-bye stay the fuck away i gotta get away because this american woman is gonna kill me <laughs> um all right so have you have you got anything else on uh, uh good old lenny k no just to uh, uh quote him at the end of the song bye-bye <laughs> <laughs> fuck that song i think i think that's the last lenny kravitz song we have to hear which i'm fucking delighted about uh track two and by the way so this is how unpopular big shiny tunes is now uh and why why i really think it's a mistake that we're doing this podcast <laughs> yes i'm glad you've addressed it um is that uh, um i can't find the whole album anywhere it's not on apple music it's even the the playlists on youtube aren't fully there i was like so i started listening to them and they would be all out of order and I realized that I've missed a song when I was going through my notes. You got a cross-reference with the Wikipedia summary. Well, that's yeah, that's that's what I was doing. And then I thought it had it, but then like one of the videos had been taken down. Okay. And so so it was like the ones that I had trouble. Moist, this one, Breathe from Moist is the is the second track on this. And I I forgot that it was on there until right at the end when I triple checked yeah. and realized that I didn't have have it in my notes. But uh that's how that's that's where the big shiny tunes is. You guys if the people from Much Music are listening to this. Please put Big Shiny Tunes on Apple Music and Spotify as albums. Yeah. You can do that. There are tons of compilations. I think the Aristocats soundtrack is on fucking <laughs> Apple Music. You can get these things You on stand there. to make a lot of money by other people who want to take the piss out of this compilation series by playing the most ridiculous songs that you chose to put on it. 
Absolutely. We're on episode four. We're into the dozens of listeners at this point. These people have disposable income. They're in their 30s. <laughs> can, I, can I just say that um, on the first or second or whatever Moist song was on a previous um, compilation, I basically refused to speak about it. But now that I had to listen to the song, I think I'm ready to come out about the many problems I have with this song. <laughs> Ah, oh, that's so good because I was literally, I was talking to my wife today being like, you know, there's a Moist song on this one and Jordan was pretty cagey <laughs> last time Moist came on and I don't know if he's protecting David Usher or what. I have like one quick thought and I'll get that out of the way and then I want you to just rant. So so it's Breathe by Moist. For me, this was like, like bad, obviously, but it, it was the kind of bad that it's got this like dreamy space-like quality where it, it feels like it was written to be played during a planetarium laser show. <laughs> yeah. It's like the middle of the night, you're kind of high, you're laying back like 160 degrees. Yeah. You're looking up at this half an orb. Yeah. And and the, the, the heavens are above you, and you just hear fucking David Usher just <laughs> serenading the Milky Way. All right. <laughs> that's, the, that's the vibe that I got from it. But also it was like this weird, it felt very much, because some of these songs on this album are very much of the time. Some yeah. of them are a little bit ahead of their time. Um, and this is one that is is grasping for dear life to 1995. This feels like the end of grunge when people are just trying to be like kind of dreamy and, and sweet. And it's just terrible. That's that's all that I had on Moist because I think I got all my Moist hate out on the first one. Um, so fucking hit me, dude. I'm not I'm going to use the song's own form to critique it right now. Here we go. <laughs> when you were here before, <laughs> couldn't look you in the eye. <laughs> You're just like an angel. <laughs> Your skin makes me cry. Just wait, there's still a chorus, which is a different band. Look a feather. That's so funny. In a beautiful world. You're so fucking special. I wish I was special. Okay, get ready for the other song that rips off. Okay. Maybe I don't want to die. Maybe <laughs> I just want to cry. <laughs> That's why I wanted to do this with a musician. That's so good. I didn't notice that at all. It's such, it's so blatant to me when I heard it too, which made me, um, ultimately, I, even though it rips off those parts, I actually tried to just experience it as a vibe. And there was something so sad about the song to me, not the song it, itself, but how much it, sa- it was trying to sound like the 90s and how mm. um, David Usher himself just, kind of just sounds genuinely sad and jaded um yeah. even the chorus of that song right it's like uh said i'm so glad to be here does it mean a thing said i'm so glad yeah. to be here does it mean a thing yeah i'm so glad to be here does it mean a th- anything <laughs> just that line itself seems like the most kind of jaded like genuinely jaded like i i i don't know who if if the song was like pre-written for david usher like i know he's 
probably considers himself a singer first. So perhaps he didn't write this song, but there's something about just the formulaic aspect of what it takes from um, Live Forever and Creep and just being like, here's a part of a song. Here's a part of a song that people liked. Here's another part of it. And we're just going to kind of blend the ingredients a bit so it's not exactly the same. And there you go. There's the song. Happy 90s. That's so funny. Yeah. It's just so goddamn bad. And it's it's also got this like, I mean, maybe I'm being too jaded here, but this and the Econoline Crush song that finishes the album. So goddamn depressing that that's the last so song. Fucking, <laughs> so bad. Uh, <laughs> so they have this like, um, they both have this thing of like, uh, everyone wants me to be around and I'm a big famous guy and I've got a smile for the crowd. And it's like, nobody gives a fuck about you. You live in BC, just go for a hike and enjoy the wealth you made in that temporary time. Just just terrible. Yeah. that's what, why, why haven't there been any Oasis songs on any of the big shiny tunes? I think it's a Commonwealth conspiracy. They're like, fuck you, Britain. We still hate you. Their three biggest albums had already been released at this point. Yeah. It's crazy that Champagne Supernova didn't make any of those albums. <laughs> Um, anyway, okay, so uh, uh, do you have anything else to say about Moist? Um, just that I feel like the song weirdly prefigures that time our current prime minister said speaking moistly. This is breathing moistly. <laughs> um, also, this was on the um, the Stir of Echoes soundtrack, the Kevin Bacon movie about a guy who gets hypnotized and then sees a bunch of ghosts. <laughs> okay, that's like, uh, it was the prequel to Sixth Sense. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe it's the maybe it's the pre sequel. Oh no, it would have come out the same year, guys. <laughs> have we thought? What if Stir of Echoes and Sixth Sense happens in the same universe? Whoa! And they're supposed to meet up later. Kevin Bacon and Haley Joel Osment just wandering around, <laughs> seeing, seeing fucking ghosts. When Sixth Sense enters its own portal, you get Stir of Echoes. Yeah. <laughs> Can I briefly uh, show you my Haley Joel Osment imitation? I would love that. It's it's three things. Okay. I see dead people. Yeah, classic. I'm a robot. Nice. <clears throat> Make sure to pay it forward. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's all I think of when I think of Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> that's totally fair. I think of uh, this this. Um, podcast that I listened to where a woman's daughter went to university with Haley Joel Osmond and all the girls in the university had a bet to see who could sleep with him first. Okay. Um, which, which, you know, I mean, that just sort of goes to show how much his acting touched me. <laughs> so moving on. Uh, next song. You want to cue this one up? Sure. Here we got Sugar Ray with Someday. Nice. Very, very smooth. So this song... Like Rick D's. <laughs> That, that sound, almost the weirdly sounded kind of, um, uh, what's his face? Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. Just like, Shh. I, I went, I went to the store and I asked them, do you have any sugar Ray someday? <laughs> and like half the That's audience actually, gets it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if you ever get a chance, watch his HBO, uh, comedy special, uh, because they, he just bombs yeah for uh 20 minutes and it's hilarious to watch them hate this genius yeah and then any at one point he goes they're gonna have to call this my comedy not so special <laughs> um, so someday by sugar ray this song to me is i would characterize it as bro happy it's what happens yes when a depressed bro 
takes his first tab of Valium in the 90s. Yeah. Also brings to mind, you know, uh, some Iraq uh, military officer launching missiles and listening to this on his iPod playlist to feel better uh, the next day about what he did. Um, yeah, the guy that dropped out of university to join the war. Yeah. It's just like, there are two frat boy songs on this <laughs> on this album. There's this and there's All Star by Smash Mouth. Now, All Star by Smash Mouth feels like a song. It's the song equivalent of the frat boy that you can't help but like. What, All Star? Like, yeah, All Star. Okay. So you, you feel like, it's like, it's like I, everything about you I should just hate, but I just like you, man. Like, we're going to get along. Okay, and this and one? This is this is the other guy. This <laughs> song, Sugar Ray at all times, reminds me of the guy that graduated and still shows up at university parties. Yeah. There's something so fake and needy about everything that they do that I can't get over it. And this one has the audacity to be boring. At least the last one was still kind of like fun and had that reggae breakdown. And this is just a, a waste of time to me. I really, I, I genuinely don't understand how this was a big song. I find as I've gotten older, the ability to write a song, this sort of, regardless of what's happening in the world, just so under the sea feeling so happy actually <laughs> takes a sort of skill that I um, respect, but maybe the thing that gets lost by the people that actually write the songs, these songs mm. are there is their basic sense of human dignity for um maybe i don't know it all it all just seems so bleak i mean if i want if i want that feeling that you're talking about i go to jack johnson Ugh. at least he's charming Ugh, don't don't get me started on that guy i, t I think I, I need to move on or, or else i'm gonna want to um get a tribal tattoo here if i hadn't been so poor when i was younger i would have a very different looking body um what we got next so that brings us to hello time bomb by the matthew good band he returns and he returns and i don't know this song's fine i guess it doesn't really do much for me i find that i really like matthew good's voice uh -huh. still and i'm not sure what it is about it i just find it comforting. i thought you didn't like it because of how it sounds teenage yeah, weirdly, this time calm me. I don't know what it is, but this is off a later album, so maybe that's it. He he matured. Huh. The picture that I had when I was listening to this is it feels like um like midnight bowling. Okay. Where I don't know if you ever if you ever did that, but it's like so it's like it's a straight up rock song, which is like bowling, but then it's got some like electronica around the edges. Sure. Which is the midnight part. That's like the, ooh, we're having a party. It's not regular bowling. It's yeah. midnight bowling. <laughs> Are there so, bumpers? Hell no. Not at midnight bowling. I, I think there's bumpers, man. That's fair. There's a couple bumper lanes. It's like a night out, but like not a great one. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. just, just one yeah, where like you're, you're hanging out because you heard that there's a house party happening and you have a couple friends with you at the bowling lane and then you don't get word about it. And so everyone just goes home and watches TV or something. Yeah, you missed the real party, but, you know, whatever. Midnight bowling. That's fun, too, right? We can have a good time without them. You know, white Russians for everybody. <laughs> you just turn this into the Big Lebowski? I, I, this is like, no, this is like a, a Korean-made version of Big Lebowski that gets sold on the black market. Like, yeah. it's just like it takes the whole premise of um, a song and it just kind of waters it down a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, I get that. There's uh, parts in the song where he like says stuff like, 
I found me a reason or like I got me a something or so oh, yeah. check me like like he like I don't know what that is called like that kind of um thing like when you kind of intentionally grammatically make something incorrect but just because it's more colloquial like I got yeah. me I got me a new pair of suspenders <laughs> like, yeah as if as if he's ever spoken like that like he's in Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> yeah that's fair uh, yeah. the chorus makes me really laugh like the the whole like I got me a love and it's so bad it's so bad like he just <laughs> it's like what are you like what the hell are you singing about um yeah i don't i don't have any like deep uh radio head feelings with this one yeah i don't think anyone should about matt good <laughs> he's not he's not a deep feelings guy um either in other people or himself i think yeah we we know um, him inside out as a person <laughs> i feel like the i feel like the angriest he gets is when he meets a jamiroquai fan yeah i feel like that's that he just gets so like what do you mean you like jamiroquai and that's like that's the closest you get to real passion from him. In a weird way, he's also not not in the music he makes, but his persona and the way that he looks is very kind of also Rivers Cuomo from Weezer, to me. Yeah, very much so. Very yeah. much so. Yeah, and as a neb- yeah. a nebbish, frustrated young man. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> he's uh, he's got exactly the same abilities. As the character that Rivers Cuomo sings has, yes. but he's just so much more sure of himself. He's Rivers Cuomo in a fedora. <laughs> <laughs> the the he's just he's he's just read a book by a pickup artist. Yeah, he's ready to roll. The the cherry popping fedora. Yeah. Um, oh, cherry popping daddies! What a time to be alive. Nothing weird about that name. So um, next yeah, right. we have <laughs> uh, we have possibly I think this song to me is somehow. Um, the most 90s sounding thing on this entire compilation. And what song is that, ladies and gentlemen? It's What's My Age Again by Blink-182. There you go. It really is. It It is American Pie, the song. Yes. <laughs> I was a huge Blink-182 fan. I think we might have been over this, but I loved them. And I bought this album the day it came out. Mm-hmm. I ran to AMB Sound and I picked it up and I listened to it nonstop. I have this one memory of it where I didn't know what sodomy was. <laughs> Right. Because there's that line where he says... Uh, the state looks um, down uh, on sodomy. Yeah, he's, I said I was the cops and your husband's in jail. The state looks down on sodomy. Yeah. Uh, and I so I asked my mom because I couldn't <laughs> find it because we didn't have the that internet. That must have like been a fun now. question for her to feel. She said she, she said she didn't know. She looked very confused. I still remember the look on her face. She surprised, confused. Where did she hear it? She, she had this... Oh, she knew, but she said she didn't know. That was the key. She didn't want right. to deal with this. Wow. And so she got this look of like... Why are you asking me this? Where did you hear that? She asked me, where did you hear that? And I, I told her the, the line. She was like, I don't know. <laughs> Look it up. And I was like, okay, no problem. Just took it at face value. That what opened a new day? door for you, I bet. Hey, all right. <laughs> My butt door. That's what you mean, right? That <laughs> oh, was, I, I didn't. But, yeah. you know, one door, <laughs> okay. one door leads to another, as they say. Yeah, the butt door leads to the pleasure door. Guys, don't be nervous. It's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just like it just it, it represented the end. It, it was um yeah. It was it was it was silly but in the wrong way. Like America's made so many great silly things as every country has. Yeah. But this was like just an immediate I think it was how old their fans became that bothered me and it was the same with american pie we're like this is a movie that like porkies 
um, should have been enjoyed by people in their teens and early 20s. Right. But pe- but it was fucking huge. And yeah. it's like, adults, if, if, if adults are enjoying this, then it's done. We're over. There's, yeah, I, I don't, there's nothing that I really want to, like, deconstruct with the song in this, other than that I, I do find um, that the instrumental bridge of it is surprisingly a melancholy thing in a song that's kind of upbeat, um, which feels also very 90s, the instrumental bridge. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, the only real notes I had for this was... <laughs> And I didn't. I didn't end up doing this. Uh, make a couple plots for unfulfilled '90s movies in lieu of talking about this song. <laughs> and I don't think I came up with any. But I, I when I looked ahead um, earlier, I one popped in my brain, which is uh, so. This is like the plot to an unfilmed uh, '90s teen movie. Um, a young uh, high school freshman obtains the keys to his grandfather's brewery in uh, Maine. And decides to throw uh, a beer bash, and it's it. The movie's called Beer Bash, and nice. it, yeah, and you know nice. a lot of things happen. Like he meets girls that he's had crushes on that he thought hated him, mm-hmm. uh, but actually they like him because they realize that even though he uh, has graciously hosted this beer bash, he also uh, is a really caring person deep down. And he also learns about how his own grandfather used to be a teenager once. And his, his grandmother, his grandmother shows up to see what the hell is going on, but then ends up rapping and drinking a beer bong. Yeah. And it's like, grandma's awesome. (laughs) I got two more things. Uh, one is that this reminds me of the time, uh, actually when I was in grade seven, but if, if I had a memory that was a Blink-182 song, it would be um, this kid I knew in grade seven named... Mr. Black. Uh, when I was having a sleepover with him, he um, started talking about this thing he had called a practice pillow. And after much... I already know where this is going. That is gross. After much uh, questions about what it was, he just took it out and showed me. And it was a broom handle that he had taped pillows around with duct tape. And there was a head pillow like in this kind of body shape <laughs> thing. That is not what I was expecting. <laughs> there was a head pillow in which he had uh, taped on um, different cutout Sears bra models. And nice. he uh, proceeded to turn on um, a pre-recorded version of Electric Circus that he p- would put on slow-mo when it would be close-ups of women gyrating and he would dry hump this practice pillow. That is so fucking specific. Oh, my God. The amount of work he put into that. Anyways, that's, uh, I think, if Blink-182 was a memory of mine, that's the memory it would be somehow. But but again, like, there is something, like, when, when I say this band's 90s, like, they, um, on the album that this was on, Enema of the State, right? Like, it, they have, uh, I, I, I forget her name, I, I feel. Um, <laughs> Janine. It's Janine. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and there is something I think about like later on in culture and like just I don't know there's something about this band that seems very kind of like douchey too <laughs> on on some level yeah yeah um, it's very bro yeah, yeah but if you don't take it too seriously it can just be fun but uh yeah it's definitely in uh it doesn't get filed in the same uh pantheon as uh, the radioheads these guys aren't going for deepness here <laughs> Yeah, and to be fair, that's not what they wanted at all. Of course. They they would have they would have been really upset if anybody came to them and they'd be like, You really you know, this really reminds me of the Benz. Until we get to Adam's song. <laughs> 
that was such a weird turn for them. <laughs> but again, I mean, like you said, this this song had like a sad bridge. So maybe they're just like sad boys putting on a happy face. <laughs> um, so the next song is, I mean, no, it's it's not it's not my least favorite song, oh, good, but it's up good. there. Oh. I, I I almost said that it was, and then um and then I looked two songs from now and, oh, and okay. realized okay <laughs> what was going on. So this is slide by the Goo Goo Dolls. So bad, fantastic song. It's so it's breathy nonsense. You are so wrong, <laughs> I, my friend. I am so sorry. I, I hate this guy. He's like I feel like he's secretly fifty, and he's like he reminds me of when Henry Winkler played the Fonz and was like forty playing an eighteen year old. This is no, I put no, this no. in the the Wallflowers no. and the new Taylor Swift album. So wrong, no. Just breathy nonsense. No, you are uh, judging this guy for the same reasons that other people judged Gavin Rosdale. You are judging a faded beauty by how handsome he once was and not realizing <laughs> that a certain degree of self-knowledge and empathy can f- result in that. Um, but before I get to sticking up for this song, I just want to say that um, the song makes me think of some 30-something-year-old rural Seattle man waking up at 6.30 before work to a nice Sumatran roast uh, he's got a yeah. thick, deciduous mist obscuring his clear-cut view of the Olympic mountain range outside. And and this song comes on, and he thinks fondly about the love affair he had with a 55-year-old paper mill heiress from Anchorage. <laughs> is this just Twin Peaks? I call him, yeah, his name, his name, is, uh, his name is Grunge Face Daryl. Nice. You know what? I, I agree with everything you're saying about the guy and his vibe but i there's a part of me that actually loves this song and respects it as a very very good emotionally affecting pop song i'm sorry oh, it, I, I mean i think i think we had the same disagreement about the last goo goo doll song as well uh where it's terrible but you refuse to see that um yeah <laughs> well and i no, guess um, i guess it's about song I mean, I craft guess it's, it's yeah it is it's like it's it's well produced and it does all the things that a song should do i guess it just I just can't, and I think, I mean, I think I mentioned this last time, but I just can't imagine anyone writing a song like this uncynically. Um, um, I, but but why? It's so... Also, also, I don't know what slide means. What does he mean by slide? Um, I think it's uh, they share food uh, in a bed on a plate, and he just wants to have, like, another burger, but it's too far away. That is... I mean, if it was about sliders, I would be into that. <laughs> I love a tiny hamburger. How was that? How was that not used as a commercial for like? You could have capitalized so much, like introducing the A and W slider and why don't you slide? Yeah. A <laughs> and <laughs> W, are you listening? We want to cut. Get on it. Can I put you You're- in my mouth? You know you taste so good. And you've got the big, like, silly cartoon bear, like, singing it, but <laughs> yeah. also eating the slider. No, all the whole family. So it's like a chorus family. It's like, so everybody slide. Duh, 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 duh. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be millionaires. I feel like if you could somehow hear the song, not know who the guy was, and just be in the right place at the right time, you might appreciate it again. But I appreciate your uh, desire to put this into a coffin and bury it Kill Bill style forever. But I think it'll come back. Yeah. I mean, this is, again, this is like what I love about having this with you is because you know so much about music that you, you do appreciate things in a way that I don't. 
because I hate I hate this song, but I can't argue with any of the things that you're saying. I'm sure you're right about all of but it. But do you hate like is and your hate a is it a spectrum of intensity or like is everything that's hated can it be absolved? It's pretty tough. Like there are things that I don't like. Yeah. If I don't like something, then it, it can be it can be brought back. But for the most part, once I hate something, yeah, it's gone. It's over the cliff. <laughs> um, I've put a lot of thought into it. It sparked something that I don't enjoy having sparked. Uh, and this, yeah, the song just it just it does nothing for me. You know what? I'm I'm sensing a lot of um, insecurity on your part here, Chris. And I think that, like Christianity, you might not like this song, but it likes you. It'll always be there for you. Why don't you slide on over to loving this song? <laughs> this song knows you, my friend. Slide. This song knows you to your core. They're called the Goo Goo Dolls, for God's sakes. <laughs> I'm not letting them slide anything. If they're going to slide anything, it's going to be a roofie. I'm going to fall. Jesus. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want Goo Goo Dolls anywhere near me. <laughs> The Goo Goo Dolls guy, John Resnick, I think this is his name, looks like what would happen if you um, meshed with a Ken doll or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And I think that works to his detriment because nobody can take his song seriously. And I cannot. Yeah. And yeah. to be fair to your point, the Goo Goo Dolls is a terrible name. But, it's the worst name. The but, Goo Goo Dolls. But if we're going to find any salvation in this podcast, Chris, we just have to learn to love the things we hate, I think, because there's going to be a lot of it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of, of just hating things. Uh, the Goo Goo Dolls sounds like the band that the Muppet Babies would have been a part of. It's, <laughs> it's, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. Miss Piggy's not allowed because she's mean. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to the let's next on. one. So next next track we have uh, "Praise You" by Fatboy Slim. Mm -hmm. I still like it. Yeah, I mean it. It works as a song. It's definitely early uh, examples of the drop. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, again, I think there is something weird about. I don't know. I mean the the identity crisis that this compilation is having again. Outside of Prodigy, it, you would just assume that electronic music was something that. Um, white people made popular, but yeah, it has its roots in Detroit. It's like it's such a weird thing to have a gesture yeah, towards yeah. towards like electronic music. But I think that's just kind of how things were working culturally, where you oh, the only electronic song that will make it big is one by uh, a white UK nerd or something. Well, yeah, that's that's how that's how culture used to work, right? Yeah, pre Beyonce, where it was uh, uh, black people invent it make it cool and then white people make it famous yeah that's uh that's been that's been uh that's a particularly american progression in the american century yeah um and this one especially since uh, uh camille yarbra whose song it is it's a uh, it's it's called um what's it called i wrote it down take your praise mm -hmm. is a sick song yeah i listened to the one that they sampled it's just this funky masterpiece like it's really really good yeah and I remember there was an interview at the time with um, Fatboy Slim when it came out, and he was talking about where he finds the samples. He said, what I do is I, uh, I take music that nobody cares about, and I make it cool again. Which is such a fucked up statement. Clearly, a lot of people cared about it because they made it. <laughs> yeah, what an asshole. Yeah. And, uh, and so, he, um, so she, she's still, she was still alive. <laughs> so she commented, and she was pissed about it. She was like, I actually... 
people love my fucking music. And her song, I prefer her song to the Fatboy Slim mix, but it might be because I prefer old school sort of funk yeah. R&B. It's sort of, it's in the Gil Scott Heron sort of area of music. Yeah. Um, the the uh, Take Your Praise. And so it might, it might be a, a preference thing, but I, I do prefer the original. But I think, I mean, I think this song is fun. It's upbeat. I think the video did a lot of the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. Because it's one of the great music videos. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, it's supposed to be an amateur dance troupe dancing in front of a movie theater, sort of flash mob style. And um, apparently the way that it happened is Spike Jones felt bad about not being able to direct the, the video for Rockefeller Skank. Okay. And so what, what he did was he sent Fatboy Slim a video of him just dancing to Rockefeller Skank on his own. <laughs> just as a like, here's, here's an apology. Here's a fun yeah. thing that I did. And uh, Fatboy Slim loved it so much that he he wanted to get Spike Jones dancing in his next video. So that's why it's Spike Jones and a made up uh, dance troupe that just do this. But it's fun and it's charming. And I remember when it came out, like I loved it. It was named best music video ever, which I think is ridiculous. Yeah. But it's 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 one of the greats. I think it's a really fun thing, and it, it took everyone by surprise. It sort of, especially since electronic music was so. Um, I mean, f- weird when I was growing up. Like, it wasn't attached to me at all. And it gave it the Napoleon Dynamite vibe. And so it made it approachable. It's it's hard to imagine, like, making a song, like, Praise You in today's culture with everything that's going on. It would be totally destroyed, like... I don't, I don't know, because sampling that was so much a part of, like, all music. It's not just hip-hop. You see it in, in a lot of pop music now as well. And um, you'll get... Uh, you know, rock songs that will have clearly a riff from another, like a classic song that they're kind of nodding to. I don't think... You can do I it mean, if the you're way Kanye, that, but you can't do it if you're like um, a white person anymore. No, I think, I, think, I think that you can. I think musical tradition, I think if you came out and you just did a Bob Marley act, that would be fucking weird. So you think there's a line still that's understood between what is acceptable appropriation for white people? Yeah, definitely. I think there's always with with art, there's always or culture, if you want to downgrade it, there's always a gray area of are you someone who is using this because you understand it and you love it and it adds to what you're making or are you using it as an earring, an accessory to what you're making? That's why like Eminem is such a great example, Mac Miller is such a great example of uh, you know, white guys who took a black art form and crushed it and nobody in the art form was mad at him for it because you could see that they loved it they lived it and breathed it and so i think that if you've got people who have a love of the music like paul simon's graceland album or like uh ginger baker right. uh, going to africa and playing drums with fella cootie you know those guys like if you if you understand the music and you love it and you're doing it then then it doesn't matter because you're it's about the community i think that a lot of cultural appropriation is about turning someone's culture into an accessory but so wouldn't Fatboy Slim have been doing this by that quote you mentioned? <laughs> like, in you know what? Yeah, I think I, I, I think I painted myself into a corner. <laughs> so uh, if you don't know, also check out Chris Betts versus the audience. It's a great um, comedy uh, show that Chris is involved with. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, the involved link. with? I'm the whole show. Well, I mean, it's versus the audience. So, I mean, you <laughs> ca- clearly you can't just be in a room arguing with yourself. <laughs> no, that is how I spend my offstage time, though. Old man yells at cloud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my elephant? 
<laughs> you got anything else to say about this one? No, I do not. You? Uh, no, other than I think it's an appropriate um, introduction to this yeah. next song somehow. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, so the next song is actually, I didn't know it was actually called Ba Wita Ba. You got to spell it out if you want to watch it on YouTube, man. <laughs> B A W I T A B A Ba Wita Ba by Kid Rock. Yeah, more like Baby Rock. That's the first words a baby says. Ba Wita Ba. Ba Wita Ba sounds like a song title from the Goo Goo Dolls. That's (laughs) That's, most people just hear Goo Goo Dolls and aren't offended. You hear Ba Wita Ba when people say Goo Goo Dolls. I get you now. Okay, fucking it's baby talk. Do you know who? Do you know who Adam Curtis is? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, hypernormalization. Yes. So, oh, yeah. I'm so glad you do. I was hoping you would. I didn't want to just drop that reference. Um, so mm. this, to me, the introduction to the song, the ambiance, the sinister thing, because there's like a good 40 seconds before the song kicks it's in. It's so long, as if as if you're building to anything. I immediately think I'm watching an Adam Curtis documentary. It's just grainy footage of the Twin Towers on a <laughs> September 11th morning. There is something so dark about i think what this song ushers in as a um representation of a genre which uh will start appearing more on this compilation the genre of new mm. metal um yeah. i can totally see why this song got as big as it did um it's yeah. almost representative of the white crap of america that feels underrepresented and feels pissed off about it um yeah, for sure. This was the the first wave of Trump voters. Yes. Oh before my god. Totally. They knew that was an option. That was it. They were still like a, they were still a diaspora. Yeah. They they did they didn't know that they had each other. And there's this fucked up like part of his whole avatar, which is that he like would dress like a pimp, right? Like he dressed like Snoop Dogg or something. Like a, like a cowboy pimp. Yeah. And yeah. and he if you watch the music video for this too, I don't know if you saw it, but he's just no kind of like um standing on top of cadillacs inside like trailer parks in um different places in cleveland yeah in in cleveland sorry in detroit in michigan yeah Um, Yeah, he's from michigan where where he's from um he i think he kind of paints himself as this like white trash kind of like in the same way that trump like you're saying like kind of positions himself as like an ally to the like kind of Mm. poor white america um, yeah. but I was doing some research on, I, I'm just going to keep calling him Kid Rock cause I don't, uh, I never bothered to learn his name. Um, why would you, <laughs> uh, he, he grew up like his father, uh, was, I forget what kind of businessman, like he grew up on like a three acre estate in the country. No way. Yeah. And, um, that's so funny. He had, he was on Jive, uh, rec- he was on Jive records before as a rapper and kind of like a rapper that modeled himself in the two live crew vein. No you way. Know, it's it's really weird. Um, and then he ended up as this. And yeah, there's something about contemporary America now, which this song feels like it's the it's almost like the introduction music to some aspect of America that's being born. So well, what I what I love about that story is it's it's it reminds me of like a professional wrestler looking for his character. Yes. Where you had like um, like Hunter Hearst Helmsley, like Triple H, who's Triple H now who is like the CEO when he yeah. first started was this fancy boy, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And he had like gowns and furs and this long, beautiful golden hair. 
And then he became Triple H from DX, which was like the antithesis of that. Yeah. And that's Kid Rock's journey. Is he was like fancy boy, like uh, a millionaire. Yeah. And then just dressed like a scumbag. And people went, yeah, sure. You seem like a piece of shit. Because yeah. he is like, that's one of the beautiful things about like pieces of shit is like it's in their heart. Yeah. And so like no matter how they dress, you're like, yeah, fuck that guy. Do you remember? I just remembered that he had like a, a little person sidekick. Yeah, he's in the video. He was like part of their entourage. I forget his name too. I forgot about that. Yeah. Like the only thing that I know about him was um, there was a, I mean, he was frightening, but there was a, uh, there was a song on a South Park album called Kyle's Mom's a Bitch, but it was like a hip hop remix. Okay. And they had uh, uh, Kid Rock and his, and his little person like sidekick with him and yeah. his, and that's the only time i've ever heard that guy's uh, voice and he says how's the line go kyle's mom is a big fat bitch she's the biggest bitch i know and she stinks like shit that was his rapping style if you want to if you want an idea of the quality <laughs> uh lyrics that they're bringing to the table okay <laughs> outside of ba with a ba so this isn't an outlier this is it's like worth mentioning um that individual too because i think in the kid rock avatar it's this other thing of your image is being seen as like friends with the people on fringes of society like maybe they were friends mm. but maybe it was all just a business deal like i have no idea of yeah. knowing uh what kind of person he was other than his nephews feel pretty entitled to get into shows for free Oh, really? Yeah, Sunset Rubdown played a show in Atlanta where this guy <laughs> this guy called beforehand. You know, did I tell you this story before? No, I'm just imagining someone walking up to a bouncer and saying, "Actually, I'm Kid Rock's nephew." No, it wasn't even that, man. It was it was Dazzle us, Jordan. We specifically get contacted by our publicist who calls us saying like, hey, like I have a strange request. I need to actually ask your permission. There's a guy named, I forget his name. We'll just call him Trevor Rock or something. There's a guy named mm -hmm. Trevor Rock who uh, wants to show up uh, tonight. Um, he, I asked him who he worked for and he, all he said was that he wants to see your show. He's a fan and that he's Kid Rock's nephew. And we were like... Unbelievable. <laughs> we decided... Okay, sure. Yeah, put him on the yeah. list. Um, you got to give that guy a shot, even if it's a lie. What a great lie. Yeah. We, like, you know, we're focusing on soundcheck and stuff, and I think by the time we finished playing the show, we had forgotten about it, right? Um, and then we're backstage, and then this, like, 20-year-old kid comes in, and he introduces him himself as Trevor and, like, the guy who he's just like, yeah, like, that show was great. Like, my uncle loves you guys so much. He talks to me about you guys all the time. You're, like, one of his favorite bands. And we're like, uh, okay, your Uncle Kid Rock is like, yeah, he loves you guys. <laughs> and and I, I can't remember, like, we didn't really grill him. We just kind of took him at face value. Um, and then he asked if he could have a T-shirt for his uncle. Uh, so we gave him a free T-shirt. But here's the thing that might, here's the thing about the story. One is that either this kid was full of shit, and that's mm. like a good tactic to have because you might get the curious. Two... And I think this is probably the most likely is that he was Kid Rock's nephew, but Kid mm. Rock's favorite band is some like underground blues band called Tequila Sunset or like Sun <laughs> Sunset uh, something. And he just confused the name. Uh, yeah. And three is that Kid Rock is actually uh, one of our biggest fans, which would 
blow my mind. It, I mean, that makes sense. Him, Mark Hoppus, you know. What's they, going you, on, you, though? Like, I don't... Knocking it out of the park. <laughs> I don't understand what it is about our music that appeals to people that make music like this. <laughs> that would really make you look inward. That would be like, have I been wasting my time? Am I not? Am I not who I think I am? It's a strange world, the music industry, and I feel that uh, I have nothing else to say about this other than uh, in the music video, um, another thing he does to appeal to the common person is just there's shots of somebody evil knieveling over a ramp with motorcycles often through flames. Why not? Who Who is more the common man than evil knievel? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he just, he feels like he is the modern Leonard Skinnerd. Yeah, and he covers Sweet Home Alabama later. I know that because it's one of the top search results if you just uh, search Kid Rock in YouTube. That makes sense. But in that same way that, like, um, do you remember Neil Young had the song Alabama, where he's just begging them not to be racist fucks? Yeah. And then Leonard Skinner says, uh, uh, Neil Young, uh, a Southern man don't need you around anyhow. Yeah. And it's like, we're going to be racist, bro. Step off. Uh, That's who Kid Rock reminds me of, is that part of Leonard Skinner. Yeah. Where it's like we're good, we are awful. I'm against and it, and we love it. I'm, and we're not gonna we're not gonna listen. It to is you. important if you want to distinguish yourself as a good person to be against these people at all costs. Yeah, yeah. The first song that I remember hearing with my friends and us looking around and going, "This is bad, isn't it?" <laughs> we didn't hate it because it was. It still had that like anger that was in our bones yeah um that was just pointless and aimless and we had nowhere to put it and so we took it out on you know heavy heavy metal bands or rock bands um but we just even though it sort of spoke to us yeah and it was in the it, it was in our lane in like music musically i remember we, we were sitting there we were listening to it one day and it was the first time we just looked around and we were like i don't know this is a garbage song this is bad we never we we never realized it before. We either hated something because it wasn't what we liked, yeah, or we just loved it regardless. And this is the first intellectual like, no, no, no. This this is something that we should like. And poof, this is bad. This is terrible stuff. <laughs> Perhaps the only salvation in this song lies in that. Um, I would willfully and enthusiastically listen to this song on repeat if I was ever playing paintball again. This would be a great paintball song, man. The the forty second um, build up is when you're like hand drawing camo paint over your face. Yeah, like Predator. <laughs> just, and then um, and then when it kicks in, my name is Kid. You burst out of the bushes and just start mowing down eight year olds. Yes, because as a thirty five year old man, I desire to play paintball against the people that bullied me when I'm eight, but now they're my age, so I actually have to just do it to eight year olds. Yeah, yeah, they're still bullies. Eight year olds never change. <laughs> Um, well, moving on this next song, all star by smash mouth is a song that Mm. plays right as the towers collapse. (laughs) It's, it's like, to me, I hear the song almost as a punctuation mark to a punchline in the same way that Larry David uses that song in curb your enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very much a curb your enthusiasm song. It's like, it's yeah. 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 It's, I mean, I have, I have this weird feeling about this because like we talked about last time i would love to hate smash mouth Mm -hmm. and i just can't quite bring myself to but also i spend um i spend a lot of time on reddit 
because there's a bunch of good stuff on there. I try to avoid the monsters because there's a bunch of terrible stuff. All Star and Shrek right. mean so much to a generation that is on uh, Reddit right now. Yeah. And it's so beloved. It's it's one of two songs that are straight up just memes. Yeah. Like it's this and the Rick Astley song. Those are the two. And they love it so purely and with all of their heart that I, I can't help but see their smiling stupid faces <laughs> when I hear the song. I'm just like I'm over I'm overcome with joy when I hear it now because I can I there is a, a quantifiable amount of joy that this song has brought into the world on Reddit. Why? And like I is it always paired with a meme or something or what? Yeah, they put it on uh they put it on memes that always be like uh, uh like a, a version of if something's going wrong and then suddenly suddenly happy and it's because all starts playing. But other. but are you trying to say that there's like something inseparable culturally now with this song and Shrek? Or are you saying yeah, that Yeah, with 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 the, the generation below us, one hundred percent. But what is like the humor of it? Like do you think the humor is just because of how depressing and shitty things are that it's so funny that a song that's this happy exists? Is that I don't know. I think I think it's genuinely just tied to a bunch of really good times and it's just <laughs> silly enough that um it's always playful. You can never take this song seriously. I think it's just so it's such like overwhelmingly positive chorus. And goofiness of Smash Mouth and uh, tied to happy childhood memories that have now I've sort of culturally brought into my own memories. That yeah. I, yeah, I love them. I think just the fact that this song could exist back to back with Ba with the Ba um, <laughs> still like it's it's a kind of happiness that seems so uh, hooked up to an IV with a Valium feed happening to you like 24 7 like it seems like a willful kind of happiness that at its core belies a greater darkness to me like i can't hear this song without also thinking of just what was about to come you know columbine even just it it being strange that there's so much cynicism happening at this time and on this compilation um for sure uh but then like what does it mean to write a song this happy um I think it, it, yeah. There's there's a certain amount of escapism in that, and you, oh, I, for sure. I can totally appreciate wanting to escape and actually um, making a strangely cartoonishly happy um, pop ditty. Uh, but yeah, yeah, but again, I I repeat this this I, I would go into a bad trip if I had to hear "Ba with the Ba" and "All Star" back to back in uh, a Guantanamo. Uh, loop you know like i think i think we can all agree that um the people that made big shiny tunes have uh no interest in doing drugs and if they do them they do them improperly they have no sense of occasion uh, <laughs> yeah yeah that is uh they never they never took that into account they're not uh, they're not cool people jordan <laughs> but who are they too? This is the question that is starting to roll around my head more and more. And I really hope that um, we'll be able to get some people on this podcast who might know um, a little bit about. Yeah, we've got to. Yeah, it's because, a great mystery. Because it's there's yeah there's something uh, like you're saying it wasn't made for people who were doing drugs, but it was being made for a natural drug, which is just money, probably. 
Like mm, there is money and rage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. What? That's a, like, is that the title of a Philip Roth novel? Jesus. That's amazing. <laughs> so, um, now available at A&W money and rage. Yeah. Um, you got anything else? No, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> look I who's, mean, so, uh, go, look who's going from look who's back. This <laughs> fucking song. I'm going from all star smash mouth. <laughs> Just a feel good. You're just walking through the forest with your donkey friend. Yeah. And then goddamn tea party comes around. Heaven's coming down. <laughs> Literally a come down song. Literally a come down from walking on sunshine <laughs> to these bummers. <laughs> Everything you said about this band in episode one, I believe. Um, Sounds right. Uh pertains even more to this song yes i think of somebody who's involved with a high school play but not in the play he's one of the people backstage managing the lights and the sandbags pining for a girl who's the lead in the play and has no idea who he is uh that is perfect that's yes. perfect that's i literally wrote <laughs> high school theater troupe <laughs> we are okay we have some disagreements about some songs here, but yeah, I'm so glad we feel the same way about this. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's almost beyond parody <laughs> how fucking earnest and bad these guys are. It would blow my mind and I would have the utmost respect for Jeff Martin if it turned out that he came out with Tea Party just being an Andy Kaufman stunt. That would be so funny. I would, he'd be one of my heroes. Yeah, but the fact that think- it isn't, I... What would like a a drink with Jeff Martin look like? You know, like what oh, what, what would he talk you know, about? Okay, you know what he'd order? He'd order what Yoko Ono ordered in The Simpsons: <laughs> a which, plum. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was like um, uh, brandy and a hat served in a man's hat with a plum floating in it. <laughs> yeah, and then he would. You know what I think he'd do? I think he'd try to big dick you with poetry references. <laughs> but it would all it would all be poets like that existed before the 20th century like um yeah it'd be byron and yeah and all, <laughs> tennyson and stuff like that yeah and um and and it would work on like it would work on me i don't know how much you know about like poetry it might work on you but if anybody in the surrounding area knew anything about poetry they'd tear him to shreds immediately <laughs> he also looks like the guy fox mask that anonymous wears too it's kind of he strange. does doesn't it yeah yeah yeah. Like he's Heathcliff in Wuthering Heights. Like that's who he's aiming for. Yeah. He's aiming for this brooding, like a guy who's brooding all the time. And if you were to ask why he's brooding, it's because there appears to be a storm coming in from the east. Yeah. He spent a lot of time as like a 15 year old reading Alistair Crowley. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. He's, he's still like, he spent at least a week praying to Cthulhu. That's a guarantee. You know, the only, the only thing. I, I, I purposely <laughs> stressed my mind to try to think of something positive about this because I was so mean about the tea party last time. Okay. And I, I found like one sort of picture in my mind that really made me smile. That's cool. And it was um, this song playing. Okay. And I just picture a lot of people in like black t-shirts and like ankle high boots and pentagram necklaces I can see a lot of like social outcasts having their first kiss to this song and that warms my heart. I think that's very sweet and whatever, if it works for them, then I'm happy for them. I hate this. I don't, I don't begrudge anyone the comfort that they took from this music. Yeah. Um, 
I just hope that they grow out of it. You know, <laughs> that's all. which, yeah, which because, is why it would be nice if Jeff Martin is actually Andy Kaufman reincarnate and it's just like, yeah, I, I'm not serious so with funny. this band. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> have you heard these? Songs? All I want to do, all I want to do is meet Jeff Martin and have him regret these years of his life. Have him just be like <laughs> a really solid guy and have grown out of it. Not even to have done it on purpose, just to be like, what was I thinking? Dude, Jesus that, I, I feel like it's totally possible that after all this shit is over and like, say you and Sid Aff move back to Toronto, you start like, you know, like you live in Toronto, you're doing shows again. You just go to like a nice kind of divey neighborhood bar and there's just like this overweight man dressed all in black sitting at the edge and it's Jeff Martin. And <laughs> you can just be like, buy you a beer. You know, you know what I want is I, I, I want this moment that David Cross had with Creed. Oh, right, where, yes. So he spent, he spent years making fun of Scott Stapp from Creed. Yeah. And then he said he was doing a celebrity poker tournament and Scott Stapp was on his table. And Stapp just looks across the table and instead of yelling or anything, he just goes, thanks for the jokes. <laughs> it's like, you fucking loser. <laughs> but you know, you know it would be hilarious? It's like if, if Jeff Martin was at uh one of your stand-up shows and he said that afterwards but he it, it wouldn't be because he had heard our podcast like that's how he would thank you for jokes he'd be thanks yeah, he for just, the yeah. jokes thanks for the jokes that's exactly <laughs> how we would talk i appreciate the humor <laughs> yeah well all right, all right. that's a, that's enough tea party for a fucking lifetime <laughs> yeah i think they come back again <laughs> yeah don't oh, worry god damn it <laughs> fucking canadian music jesus christ the next song is uh, Let Forever Be by the Chemical Brothers with uh, vocals by Noel Gallagher from Oasis. Love this song so much, man. This is one yeah, of my other I loves. agree. Best song on the compilation, yeah. obviously, like hands down. Um, I, think, I think I agree with you. I'm scrolling. Are you sure it's not uh, <laughs> I, Mother Earth? Uh, I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll wait till we talk about it. It could be a toss-up. You're right. Um, okay, yeah, fair enough. Dude, like, this song rips, and I love how it's a rip-off of Tomorrow Never Knows by the Beatles, the last song on Revolver. Mm. Yeah, I think so, too. And yeah, the the I actually, I wrote down, um, <laughs> it's funny, uh, I, I just got to think of my notes, it says, some songs demand that you do drugs. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> and, yes, and that's good... what this is, because it's, it's, a, it's a kaleidoscopic sound, which is it's such a difficult thing to pull off, but the way that they sort of bring all the... I don't know if those are sitars or what, but it's sort of from that era of the Beatles. Yeah. Um, with the Eastern elements, uh, string instruments. Yeah. And then they, the, the way that they bring them in on each other and then pull them back out, it, it's the closest I've ever heard to a kaleidoscope. Mm-hmm. And then the music video is exactly that. Yeah. Like the, the way that it, it, it pulls in on that one girl and then zooms out and, and the, uh, cuts between mirror tricks and then physical tricks that represent the mirror trick. And yeah. kind of, it's a really, I think it's a really brilliant uh, music video. I think it's amazing. Yeah. This is, seems like one of the things that characterizes Britain at this time in terms of what was popular. They definitely had a bit of taste going on with things. Yeah. Um, give yeah, you credit. some really cool stuff. That, you know, what they lack in bangers and mash, they make up for in pretty sick music videos and songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. I criticize your national breakfast no one eats that here. Um. I just assume that's what everybody's eating at all times. Actually, if they could, they would. Every I assume that's what it. you're eating right now. That looks like potatoes uh, to me. I would. I would love to be eating bangers and mash right now. <laughs> I'm eating. Um, actually, it's good. It's just a bowl of rice with uh, some salmon and some avocado. I didn't have a chance to eat anything before we recorded. So that's uh, that's what people in BC call breakfast. 
Yeah, baby. It's good. I feel healthy. Okay, move, right. moving along here. We have uh, Orgy with a cover of New Order's Blue Monday. Um, I just want to quickly say that it's pretty telling that this is right after Let Forever Be because I think I think that Let Forever Be is a good example of how to pay homage to a, <laughs> a certain style of music. It is so soulless, this song, this cover. I can't think of anything more soulless um on this compilation this feels like a band whose manager said you know how marilyn manson got big singing beautiful people yeah this is your beautiful people yes and i think it's telling that i mean this was this was a big hit where i where i lived like i heard it on the radio all the time but i don't think i ever heard another orgy song and and this band does no favors for getting people to check out new order either <laughs> yeah no not at all i li- i actually i listened to the new order song afterwards to remember if i hated that too and, and i was like oh no this is this yeah. is pretty good yeah. this is all right yeah. yeah new order was never my my main thing but i was like oh, i get this this is better it's inescapably bleak this song to me wow fair enough <laughs> see to me it, it just feels it it doesn't even it doesn't have enough emotion to be bleak to me this feels like um like a worse attempt at what kid rock managed to pull off in terms of playing a character this feels like uh like a band who was told you're gonna be this i'd be surprised to hear that orgy was around for 10 years before this became a hit you know what i mean but the manufactured aspect of what you're talking about is what i find Mm. extremely oh fair enough so so it's not the music itself it's like the whole the whole situation yeah yeah it's it's I don't get yeah. the sense of a band or anybody who was just like, let's do an interesting cut. Co- it just seems somehow so get again. It's like, I use this term gimmicky to describe even Marilyn Manson's cover of sweet dreams, mm. but this sweet dreams is the one, not beautiful people. Thank you. Yeah. I, I would take listening sweet to sweet dreams over having to listen to this song. Um, any I'm, day. I'm so, I'm so glad that you hate this because I was worried we were going to have another placebo situation. No, to me, this is nowhere in, the, in that realm of placebo. Placebo yeah. at least has a uniqueness because of the guy's voice and and how like awkward sounding it is. This just sounds like the background to a monster truck rally. It sounds like... Uh, they, they did choose to name the band Orgy. <laughs> how creative can they be? <laughs> You know what? Ultimately, I think this song, it feels bleak to me because I think that the production of it is going to become the recurring feeling over this compilation. Corporate influence became like really apparent in the 90s in rock music. Mm -hmm. But it was, I don't know, it felt less in the music, I guess. Whereas now it feels like it's it's actually in the fucking songs <laughs> like before yeah. you could feel like, like, why the hell is this band big? Oh, because they have a great agent. And they made that happen. OK. Yeah. All right. That that happens, whatever. But now it feels like it feels like the board members had a say in the drum machine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like we've uh, we've collected some data using um, some IBM software we've been using. And we've actually uh, determined that some of the bigger hits in these regions and what we think your market would uh, best represent for uh, you and Orgy Incorporated would be choosing the <laughs> snare sound that is on this Nine Inch Nails song. Uh, but we don't want to go for a Nine Inch Nails vibe. It's just that the snare sound in Closer really slaps. <laughs> Nine Inch Nails frighten people's wives. So if you could just 
tone that down about 30%. Listen, we don't want to put the image of Nine Inch Nails in people's heads. We would like you to cut your nails so they're shorter, and you could still put uh, black nail polish on, and that's the kind of gloss we're looking for with Orgy. Have you tried putting a blue streak in your hair? My daughter does it. She looks cool. (laughs) Orgy, listen. (laughs) I don't... I don't want to influence you too much. You're the artist here. But if you manage to make this song big and sell 10,000 units in the first week, I will personally give you my own Hummer. Oh, but does he mean the car? Just get those 10,000 units. (laughs) Either way, you're leaving with a smile orgy. (laughs) Gross. Um, Hate it. Next song. That's, yeah, terrible. Terrible nonsense. Waste of space. When, I mean, again, you look at all the bands that could have been on here, and it's just such a goddamn shame. Um, next song, Scar Tissue, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm. <clears throat> What's fascinating to me about this song is that it seems like the Red Hot Chili Peppers aged 20 years in between Give It Away and this song. Yeah. Like, they just well, sound yeah, it- old, tired sad yeah and appa- apparently that was because uh, john Frusciante rejoined and Na- dave navarro made them like young and sexy and, and heroin addicted yes and john Frusciante made them like sad and uh melancholic and heroin addicted i'm only rejoining the band if nobody does drugs and they're like did he say that wouldn't surprise me uh, i mean i, I think Cause I, I actually yeah. i actually have sober question mark next to it i think i think this guys... is why he came back yeah um, okay. But he he remained like off drugs uh, forever since, from what I've oh good been told. That's great news. But um, yeah, it was like Anthony Kiedis who had more of the problem at this time. But mm. uh, I've really nothing much to say about this song. It it I mean, other than just it takes me back to a place I don't really like when I think about where I was when Californication came out because every mm. dude that seemed to be around me in school and at parties or, or things I would go to um, loved this album. And even some of them like learned how to play songs on the guitar and yeah. I just hated it. It, 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 it actually, I think solidified my hatred of people bringing guitars out into parties. It's not something I do. Which is a, a totally justified hate and everyone needs to stop doing it immediately. I do it now, of course, because um, I just don't care anymore, but <laughs> God damn, God damn you, Jordan. Uh, I think, you know what, you know what the one, um, the one thing that I do like about this song, and it sort of surprised me, is I, I actually like John Frusciante's guitar on it. I find it really calming and sort of nice and an interesting tack for what what was a very sort of like a band that I used to feel attacked by. I will concede and agree that there is a modicum of taste present, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like, I really, I, I like what he did with the guitar in it. I don't like any of the lyrics, although Young Kentucky Girl in a Push-Up Bra hmm. was like a sticking point for me when I was 15. That was a, an image that I locked onto. Or um, is this perhaps another Epstein brain? Oh, God, please never. <laughs> the Man with Two Epstein Brains. Just Steve Martin's saddest film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, did you know Rick Rubin made this album? That doesn't surprise me. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for Rick Rubin, but not in his dealings with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> I didn't know that he was like, yeah, he was with them the whole time. He made so many of their albums. I mean, jo- like the Johnny Cash, Tom Petty stuff is awesome for sure. Yeah, excellent. But I also just don't like, 
I guess if you want to bring out the inner poet of Anthony Kiedis, this is what you get. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. This is, is uh, it enough, Chris? It's so weird. No, this is this is like a low point in the Rick Rubin catalog. This is a real shame. This is his um, character in Point Break reflecting on being part of a violent yeah. gang and feeling sad about it. Yeah. This was a waste of Rick Rubin's time. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, this is... Uh, this. Uh, th- I mean, speaking of things that we talked about, I think the... Because the Point Break thing came up on the first episode, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so this is, I mean, a throwback to the first Big Shiny Tunes. I, Mother Earth is back with Summertime in the Void. But you know who's not back? The goddamn singer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, I, I, you know what? I I think it speaks to what I, Mother Earth as a band was, is that I didn't even realize it was a different singer until I researched the song. (laughs) You didn't. You didn't. Re- you don't remember Blue Green Orange, the uh, no. the album that they. I, I didn't fuck with that stuff anymore. I was just like, this oh, band sucks. Enough. Goodbye. Like I, at this point, I was getting into other things. But um, you want to you want to touch this one first, please. So I checked this out uh, because I was intrigued by them. Yeah. Um, because it was it was interesting to me that a band had changed singers. <laughs> yes. But kept the same name. Yeah. And I was like, that's weird. You're a new band now. And so I was I was very intrigued by it. And so I picked up Blue Green Orange. <laughs> yeah. And it's terrible. But one thing that I found, and this this makes me laugh to this day, because I've never found anything like it, was if you listen to the album start to finish. I'm never gonna do it's, that. It's bad. But but I I put it on random one day. Uh-huh. I think just in like a desperation to enjoy anything off this album. And it was better in every other iteration of the songs than in the order that was prescribed on the album. Literally every other random way. It still wasn't good, but it was always better than the original uh, sequence of songs. I've just never seen anything like it. It was like they, they picked the worst possible combination of all the songs to put in because it was always different. I've just never seen anything like it. But anyway, so I'm of the Earth changed singers. Uh, they went from sort of hulky blonde guy to skinny blonde guy. Uh, they both uh, yell. Um, this guy doesn't want to be Scott Wayland. He wants to be... Perry Farrell. Like a, I was going to say like a more yeah. masculine Perry Farrell. Yeah. Well, and, and, and this uh, song... They, they yeah. both fail. <laughs> this installment of the compilation in this particular year is again you have this reoccurring theme of Malkovich entering his own portal because you have mm. this identity crisis of a band who you know once were the kings of big shiny tunes first song on the first yeah, album first song first album now yeah. they are relegated into the formula that this compilation keeps repeating which has put three yeah. horrible songs towards <laughs> the end of an album, but this time it's even yeah. more cynical because no Radiohead is coming to save the day right now. Yeah, no. Um, no. But but so there's that. But Oof. then there's Ooh, also the end of this album. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's buckle up, folks. Um, Jesus Christ. But what else is so confounding and very um, meta and frustrating and makes me feel a lot of anxiety, like skyscrapers are going to fall, is that mm. um, this song itself repeats the same formula as One More Astronaut because they have this long-ass instrumental section in the song. <laughs> These guys, uh, 
I mean, the, the old singer had that one hit that was a terrible ballad. Uh, Alive. And then, and then this guy did nothing. I think they did this album and then probably disappeared, which yeah. is good. But this 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 song is also just strangely um, uh, has a bit of the mandala effect where since the internet was still in its infancy and if you weren't keeping up mm. to date, you might see this music video. It's like, is that Edwin? I, what is that? <laughs> What's huh? Uh, well, it sounds so, like I'm Mother Earth, sure, but something's yeah, weird. Sure, it's it's close <laughs> enough. Yeah, yeah. I think the title of this song, "Summertime in the Void," could be a great name for this episode of 1999. <laughs> like, it's yeah. kind of how this compilation feels to me. So, in that yeah. sense, it's a perfect song to include because it's the end of summertime uh, of this era of music. Yeah, yeah. The winter has come. <laughs> And speaking of the year 2000, should we move on to this next song? Or? Sorry. So the song is Anthem for the Year 2000 by Silverchair. Mm-hmm. I think Silverchair had some good songs, and this wasn't one of them. <laughs> nope. And that's what bothers me, is they should have had a song from Frog Stomp or Freak Show on yeah. one of the earlier Big Shiny Tunes, because it's a perfect fit for it. And when they were like, I mean, they were young. They were 15 when they made Frog Stomp. Yeah which is crazy. And it's like, it's a good rock out. It's not great. It doesn't stand up really, but it, like, it's good. And it's amazing for 15 year olds, but this is straight up terrible. <laughs> this is, I hate the song. I think if it didn't have the word, the words, the year 2000 in it yeah. and come out in 1999, no one would have given a shit about the song. You never would have heard it. It's a gimmick. Little known fact uh, in little known fact in Australia, going to a concert is just called frog stomping oh that makes sense yeah. because of all the stupid frogs that are around well and, and australians um historically uh are too dumb to write songs so that's what concerts were you would just go and see <laughs> the sounds that frogs would make as they stomped on them on a stage like um crocodile dundee is probably a brilliant uh satire right Crocodile Dundee is a surprisingly good movie, and I'm really annoyed about it. <laughs> You're annoyed about it? I'm really annoyed that it's good. I think that it has no business being a good film. <laughs> it, it really has no goddamn business. That, Dirty Dancing, and The Karate Kid have no business being as good as they are. It is an insult right. that they are as as crazy good as they turned out to be. Yeah. Do you remember the scene where Mr. Miyagi breaks down because his mm-hmm. wife and daughter died in the internment camp? Yep. Yeah. That is heavy and beautiful. And that's, yeah. No, I, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I know this wasn't where we were supposed to go, but I feel very strongly about these movies that should be garbage. <laughs> Anyways, Australians, yeah. you make very strange art. Some of it is hits. Some of it are misses. Uh, but Silver Chair... I don't, I'm not, they're teenagers, much like this next song, which we'll get to, but yeah. yeah. That's it. So they, they were 19 when Anthem for Year 2000 came out, and that was their third album. They've yeah. been on two world tours already. Wow. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. And it only makes the next band look more <laughs> pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, you, what is the you song? Take this one? Well, okay, I will. Um, so this song is Mistake by Serial Joe. This is if Macaulay Culkin, um, or if, if, if not even Macaulay Culkin, this is if Kevin McAllister started yeah. a band. <laughs> yeah, it's so, it's so cringeworthy. Like, I hate that bands like this make it out sometimes in Canada, 
because they give us such a bad name. I mean, luckily, no one cares enough to notice, but I'm embarrassed. The the last two songs on this compilation really makes me wonder about who put this compilation together and if they owed favors to some people. Yeah, they must have been in deep because this is bad. Like this, and you know, it, if anyone's listening and they want to tweet at me that Serial Joe were just kids, <laughs> so were Silverchair. All right, shut up. <laughs> they had every opportunity to make good music and they failed. They're stupid failing kids. Uh, <laughs> My hairstyle at the time was exactly like the singer from this band's. It was gelled. No, it was. Yes, it was. It was gelled. No. With the occasional frost tips. <laughs> so I have to I have to at least show some self-awareness of where my hatred actually comes from. <clears throat> And, and weirdly, excellent. like the video where he's looking at himself and getting mad because oh, yeah. I think... Another layer. <laughs> yeah, the music video, like I, like I said about Goo Goo Dolls, I didn't get this song, but this song got me. You, you've got like, it's you watching you have a, have a music career. It's me well, entering into my own Malkovich portal. <laughs> if I entered into my that own is... portal at the time, Serial Joe would be the result. <laughs> oh my God. Imagine... Damn, imagine looking at Serial Joe and seeing yourself. Man, that's that sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, I hated I hated these guys from day one. This song also won the nineteen ninety nine YTV Achievement Award for Best Band. Ugh. Jesus. YTV, have some fucking standards. You know, like if we're at least gonna uphold uh teenage bands in Canada, where 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 are my Moffats at? people <laughs> right so uh serial joe performed at woodstock 99 no yep you're right at the, in the emerging artist tent but i am glad that they stopped making music i hope that they found very good careers yeah uh and have never sung again i feel like <laughs> they got the band together for one of their weddings and everyone was super supportive yeah and that's fine yeah. because you're in love but but otherwise you put your fucking cereal joe away and you just understand that that's part of your past well you know it's good that we had to sift through those two songs because at least this album ends on a very strong note a note worthy of karma police and all the other great songs that have ended oh wait wait who are who, what's next <laughs> Uh, it's, <laughs> oh, it's so harmful. It's it's you don't know what it's like by a Conaline crush. Where do we this start, man? Where do we fucking start? Fucking band. And I looked on their Wikipedia page. Turns out they had like twelve band members before uh, they released their first album. Hmm. Well, yeah, they it were, takes a while uh, to make gold, doesn't it? Yeah, right. You got to wait for this magic to spin itself. <laughs> it's like that no doubt um, story you told. It's like come back when you have a hit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so like the band's. They were from Vancouver, right? Uh, yeah, Conaline Crush. They, they were from Vancouver, and the singer, Trevor Hurst, this is straight off Wikipedia, guys. I'm not a huge researcher. Um, is uh, He answered uh, a note in a guitar magazine looking for a singer. Mm -hmm. And so he moved up to Vancouver to join the band. And, and I would like to, um, in some ways, I'd almost like to dissect the music video of this more than the song um, in some ways, because I think it gets to the heart of it but um yeah, i just wanted I'd, I'd agree with that in 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 defense of perhaps this person who i'm about to say many many terrible things about i also found out that um yeah like you know this is 
a very kind of common story, I think, in mainstream rock of just somebody who is told to be famous or act like they're famous, get hooked on drugs, and then come out the other side. Apparently, this guy now has a full-time job as a nurse. Uh, he works. Oh wow! He works with Manitoba First Nations youth and helps uh, people fight addictions. Which that's for real. That's a very nice ending to, I think. That's amazing. Um, this, I, yeah, I think this is a glimmer of hope. Uh, oh, that you makes know, me feel so much better about all this. Right, but all right. but the path that this person had to go on in order to get to that place is a very dark one. I think, I, I don't know. It's like the music video too. Like you have him singing in the back of like a car, a limousine singing an, barefoot, an old plush limousine wearing leather pants, um, no. with occasional cuts of him making faces. Like he has hemorrhoids <laughs> just like really like, yeah. He's, um, there's he's, a, or like he's really hard done by. Yeah. There's at least like 20 or 30 women screaming at him outside of a car, but in like anger or in, in a state of hysteria. Yeah, desperation. Sort of like like Beatles mania yeah. levels of hysteria. Mixed with like women. Walking Dead, like let me inside this car kind of yeah. thing. Um, you have a bunch of women dancing. You have like a woman dancing topless in front of the car with his face projected onto her back. Well, the whole the whole video is just this terrible, like hack version of the difficulty of fame, right? Yeah, it's just I'm trapped in this car, and all these women want me, but then when they're in the car, they're either terrified or weirdos. There's also did you did you watch the whole video? I did. Did you see him do a fucking Jesus pose? Nope. Like so uh, when he's on against, the cross when he's against the wall. Okay. And the women are all running towards him. He dangles his arms out and hangs his head like he's on, like he's Jesus on the cross. And it's like, I know that you didn't direct this and someone told you to do it. Yeah. And this was all out of your hands. This was the record label's business. No one, I, I don't think anyone at the A&R company ever liked the music of a Conaline Crush. I think they thought they could sell it. That's how they, they signed their contract after 26 gigs. Yeah. They weren't a band. They were a package. And so... I think that I feel bad for not liking him because I know he had no say in any of it. But <laughs> he's just a meat God, puppet. He's a meat bad. puppet. That's all he that is. is. Yeah. And so they wanted him to act famous. And it's like, you're not famous. You're in a Conaline crush. This is the same thing we were talking about with Moist earlier. You're not famous. You're in Moist. Yeah. Like, this is absolute nonsense. This is, this is a, a song that you write when you're a jaded and 15 years into a career as a megastar. Not on your first album. In the chorus of this song, he repeatedly says, I feel insignificant, (laughs) which is also somehow telling, I think, of this mentality and something that's going to come more in the podcast to come with the songs we'll be examining, which is just white men who are really angry for some reason and they feel insignificant, but the whole music video is just them <laughs> just people it's it's people adoring them and them not appreciating <laughs> yes. it that's every goddamn video there's a lot of money in convincing white guys that they've got it rough yeah uh i think i i i would be surprised if it boiled down to more than that i think that there are probably some bands who genuinely did feel like they had it rough yeah regardless of whether they did or not but i would say that a lot of it was just a cynical they realized that there's a lot of money in angry white dudes 
and let's get that money. So, th- so this is the thing, and I think this is why from here on out, this compilation series just um, loses its identity and any aspect of what made it unique on whatever small level that was. Um, yeah. But so actually we forgot to do this part towards the beginning, um, but maybe in a weird way it's appropriate to do it now at the end because um, in previous episodes we discussed what songs we were surprised weren't included on this compilation. But yes. but the fact that what this compilation now is, I don't know if we should be surprised that some things weren't included on it. Does that make sense? I feel like there was no interest in having good songs on here, so I'm not surprised that they didn't make it. Well, and it's also like they realized on some level that... Um, like one that I put on my list of what I was quote unquote surprised that they didn't put on was Len steal my sunshine. Um, yeah, but then I can see that part of me thinks but they've got the sugar Ray and all yes. Already. And it's just like, yeah. but we're going more towards this level of, we don't want songs that feel good. We want songs that best express rage or express yeah. this kind of anger that's entering into the cultural zeitgeist. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of other great songs that were released in 99 that could have fit on Big Shiny Tunes if it was a different year. I'm kind of surprised My Name Is by Eminem isn't on here. A little bit, yeah, but... Because, I mean, if Kid Rock made it on, that's not too far removed. Not too far, but enough where Eminem is goofier, whereas Kid Rock takes his anger seriously, so... Yeah, that's true. And Eminem is still, like, hip-hop. Even though it's like goofy hip hop, it's still hip hop. Whereas Kid Rock is hiding behind a lot of guitars and stuff. One song I'm surprised didn't make it on here just because it would have fit in what I think that this compilation was striving for this time around is that song, My Own Worst Enemy by Lit. Yes. Yeah. That should be on here. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. 100%. Um, Yeah. I mean, good. I don't want to listen to it. But at the same time, whatever. (laughs) To be fair to the people that um curated this album 99 was a stressful time there was a lot of worry 2000 felt like a big deal even though it was an arbitrary number it felt like a big deal Mm -hmm. and people were worried and they 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 didn't know what the future was going to hold and it was it was erratic um and so it makes sense that an erratic comp compilation came out the year of that sort of uh uh, tension in the air Mm -hmm. uh I wish that they learned their lesson, but I'm not convinced that they did. Right? Uh, they're coming. They're coming into a new century, new millennium. Uh, I mean, they're a year off, according to the pedants. But who gives a shit? It doesn't. Don't matter. you mean Willennium, Chris? Uh, we're in the Willennium. Will Smith, what have you done to us? Even he got cheated on in this Willennium. <laughs> Poor guy. Um, it's the mark of an end of what could have been a very cool compilation series um and for it to end with 10 albums left is truly depressing (laughs) i feel um up for a spirit of adventure i am trying to trying to i'm excited be calvin to your hobbs and just uh treat this as an exploration where we can learn things about ourselves but uh, I, Yukon Ho. Yeah, I, I feel like this might be a version of Calvin and Hobbes where um, um, Calvin is 
you know what i don't have anything you know what neither did this album so <laughs> that's fitting. actually that's the that's the joke right there i'm about to set you up for something big and then i got i'm i'm looking at the track listing for number five and i actually just grimaced i grimaced reading some of these oof so that was a bit of a uh rough ride towards the end there huh god damn i mean I want to feel bad for all the mean things we said, but at the same time, I meant all of it. So what are you going to do? Like album sales for this still were, uh, uh, it was like octuple platinum, right? Huge, huge album. Big disgrace on everyone that bought it, yeah. including my brother. It's all a mistake. Okay, fair enough. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, please uh, tweet about it, rate and review on whatever you're listening to. Again, it really helps um, uh, find new listeners because algorithms only respect overt love they don't accept tacit love it's not enough that you listen to it you got to yell about it welcome to the 21st century thanks a lot buzzfeed yeah i blame buzzfeed for pretty much every problem um thank you as always for listening we'll be back next week with another episode if you want to support the episode and listen to uncut uh interviews with the likes of mark teo and jeremy taggart you can do it at patreon.com slash big shiny podcast uh make sure if you want to buy some vinyl do it from phenopolis it's in montreal you can order it on the internet he will send you the records. Um, we've got the playlist of all the songs on Spotify if you want to go back and listen and critique. If you disagree with anything that we said, you know, come yell at us on Twitter. We're all right. Stay away from the all caps. But uh, but otherwise, you know, come get involved. We're happy to hear dissenting opinions. Yep. <laughs> That's all I had to add to that. Yep. That's okay. Um, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with another new episode. Thank you, as always. Uh, take care. We love you. Bye. Geek!